The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. or the psalm, they would still be familiar with it. In thinking about this, I'd like to share a story I read about a famous actor who was guest of honour at social gathering. He was asked by a preacher to read out this psalm. He agreed on the condition that the preacher would also recite it after him. The actor's recitation was beautifully intoned with great dramatic emphasis, and he received a lot of applause. By contrast, the preacher's voice, maybe through years of preaching and teaching, was rough and broken. His diction was not polished. Instead of uh, applause afterwards, there was silence, a form that can only be described as holy silence. And then from this silence came the question from one of the audience, asking what made the difference. Why did the audience seem to be moved by the preacher rather than the actor? Finally, the actor said, I know how to say the psalm. I know it. I know when to pause. I know when to emphasize. But this man knows the shepherd. And there's an incredible and important difference between knowing this psalm, because most people do know Psalm 23, and knowing the shepherd. So do we know the psalm, or do we know the shepherd? Now, if I was to answer this, I would say that I grew up knowing the words of the psalm, having to recite it and sing it in school assemblies, in church Sunday school. I remember enjoying its poetry and its visual beauty, as it conjures up pretty pictures of sheep enjoying green pastures. Yet, in my adolescence, I began to question and challenge such pictures of sheep being led and controlled by a strong authoritarian shepherd, as I saw it then, who used his his crook to discipline them. I didn't want to be a part of that. I didn't want to be seen as one of those odd, mindless Christians who, like sheep, blindly follow their master. That wasn't for me. 
And for many years of my life, I turned back and ignored the shepherd, that shepherd from my Sunday school days, and decided Christianity wasn't going to be for me. Yet, even though I turned away, God was still there. And just like the father, the prodigal son, welcomed me back with opening arms. And that became part of my journey, which was sometimes painful, sometimes joyous, of getting to know the shepherd. And I'm eternally grateful for that, for that relationship that there's, that's there for me, that's there for us all. And that makes me just incredibly happy. In fact, somebody said that this particular psalm, Psalm 23, can be found the secret of happiness. And there are several ingredients to happiness that can be grouped. I think these are shown. One of the things that the psalm talks about is peace. As in, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside still waters. This psalm talks about protection. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This psalm also talks about provision. He prepares prepares a table before me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Also talks about a place to live. That I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And it talks about a person to love and, and, and who loves us. And that's an underlying and cornerstone part of this psalm. Because if we think about the opening words of this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, it's really powerful as a declaration of faith. Jesus Christ is Lord. And in order for a person to be saved, it's essential that they acknowledge Christ as Lord. The word is, in that sentence, is also significant. It doesn't say the Lord will be or might be. God's love and salvation is not a maybe or a hopeful concept, but it is in the present. It isn't for now for those who accept Christ as Lord. The word my speaks of both possession and relationship. For being a Christian is an incredible blessing and a privilege. I am part and we are part of God's kingdom, a member of the body of Christ in that life-giving and eternal relationship. And the last word, shepherd. Those who believe in Lord Jesus Christ and received him as their saviour know him as their saviour, but also as a shepherd. When he becomes our shepherd, when we put our faith and trust in him, when we get to know him, then we can receive his peace, his protection and his promises. My fears as an adolescent that I would somehow be controlled and disciplined by this angry shepherd has drifted away. Because I believe now in a loving God who guides and supports me, and is doing so now. As part of my learning and deepening my relationship with God, I was told by a wise friend to read all the Psalms in one sitting. That's incredible, and it does take some time, experience. But it enabled me to see beauty, 
to see poetry and above all to see honesty in our relationships with God because there's a lot of pain there's a lot of anguish there's a lot of fear and anger expressed in the Psalms in addition to the praise and reassurance that Psalm 23 gives us this Psalm, Psalm 23 is, also, is often referred to as a Psalm of the Crook it is sandwiched between Psalm 22, the Psalm of the Cross, and Psalm 24, the Psalm of the Crown. Many people agree that this forms a trilogy of Christ the Sufferer, Christ the Shepherd, and Christ the Sovereign. Because to know Christ the Shepherd, we must first meet him at the foot of the cross and accept him as our Saviour. To know his continued care and guidance, we must make him sovereign, the ruler of our lives, as highlighted in Psalm 24. I used the word sandwiched before, and it is significant. Because Psalm 23 can be seen, because people know it and it's very familiar, it can be seen as the jam between two pieces of bread. Each piece of bread is Psalm 22 and 24. Because Psalm 23 can be seen as reassuring and less challenging, there is a temptation to just lick the jam and ignore the bread, just like my children might have done when they were small. Yet, if we did this, we would miss out on a more wholesome and life-giving relationship with the risen Christ. So I urge you that in order to know the shepherd and not just the psalm, we must focus on all the Psalms, particularly 22 and 24. But before I finish, I'd like to share an experience I had when using this Psalm to reach somebody who was considered quite difficult. Up till quite recently, I worked part-time basis in a care home, looking after elderly people, many of whom had different forms of dementia. This is, was a challenging experience and raised many questions. Yet all the time, I believed that God had called me to be there. Every day, as the shift began, I would pray for God's guidance. I was especially drawn to working with a very elderly woman who I'd call Elizabeth, whose main means of uh, communication was through a series of grunts. She was seen as difficult and uncommunicative. When she did communicate, it was seen as abusive, and many staff didn't want to work with her. However, I felt that God was telling me to spend time with her, so I asked him how I could help her. I think the answer came in two ways. As part of my training, I went to a lecture on different definitions of mission and evangelism, and I heard the tutor say that mission can be seen as finding out what God is doing in a community, in a church, in a workplace, wherever, and joining in. It involves listening, it involves discerning, and it involves praying. It also challenges us to be creative and to think outside the box. So I prayed that God would show me what he was doing in this care home and to give me the courage to join in. I especially asked for his help for being with Elizabeth. The second part of the answer came watching the programme Songs of Praise, which featured a very angelic-looking choir boy 
singing Psalm 23 in the very traditional tune, in a very traditional church, which was my background. So the next time I went to work, when I was helping Elizabeth to wash and to dress, I started to hum this psalm as I was brushing her hair. At first, she was unresponsive, her eyes were closed. Yet after a few moments, she joined in. She joined in, she looked at me, and she she started to sing. But she didn't know all the words. Yet I knew that somehow, and somehow, a, a memory had been triggered. Maybe it was an act of having me brush your hair. Maybe that linked up to a childhood experience. Maybe it was my voice. Not quite the voice of the angel, like on Songs of Praise. But who knows? I mean, God does use whatever gifts we have. But when I finished brushing her hair, she said, God bless you. And that was the first time that she'd spoken in a long while. Now, that was an incredible experience. And at that moment, I was really aware of God's love surrounding us both. And I felt blessed. So, could that be seen as mission? Could that be seen as evangelism? Well, yes, of course. It was coming alongside her in love and service. And for me, it was a real example of God's creativity. So I'm really grateful for this psalm, this Psalm 23. Without it, and without it being sung on songs of praise, I wouldn't have found God in that very secular environment of the care home. And I wouldn't have experienced God's love and grace with that woman Elizabeth. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word. May it guide and teach us. May it come alive for us and show us how we can use it in our lives. Amen.